Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him, to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please, separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or, if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zohar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now, and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Welcome to our journey through this wonderful book, probably the most read book in all the Bible, because everyone attempting to read the Bible all the way through surely makes it through Genesis because every chapter is full of some amazing stories. Today is one of those days. Our context is Abram, in heeding the call of God, went to Canaan. And lo and behold, there's a famine. You know, someone sometimes when God calls you to do something, there's some opposition. Doesn't mean God didn't call you. Uh, in fact, Jesus himself, after being baptized by John, the Holy Spirit descended upon him, 
like a dove, hearing a voice from heaven saying he's God's beloved son, is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What's God thinking? So opposition is not an indication that you're out of the will of God. It may be an indication you're right in the middle of God's will. Well, Abram didn't build an altar and seek the Lord at this venture. He just went down to Egypt and took his family with him. And on the way, he yielded to fear, forgot the promise that, you know, he would have seed that would bless the world, and said, tell Pharaoh or, you know, because you're so beautiful, I'm afraid my life is in danger. And, you know, no one would take a man's wife without killing the man first. Isn't that funny? It would be wrong to do it with him living, I guess. So, uh, so he did that, and sure enough, Pharaoh took her for his harem. And, and customary for world leaders is you don't immediately consummate a marriage with your new wife. You put a se- season of testing and purification. Esther had to go through a year so you don't catch diseases. So during that period of time, Abram gets blessed for lying. By Pharaoh, he's, uh, you know, if it was today's newspapers, the headline would be, Old Man Pimps Out 65-Year-Old Wife. He gets men servants, maid servants, donkeys, and camels, and livestock. So Pharaoh gets hit with a plague, his whole household. Everybody gets sick except for Sarai, Abram's wife. And so through a process of elimination, he figures out she's special, she must be somebody's wife, and Sure enough, he rebuked Abram for setting him up like this and sent him back to Canaan land. Who knows whether the, the drought was going on or not, but Abram had to go back. Uh, Hal Holloway told me last week he thinks he knows what the plague was that Pharaoh got hit with for taking psoriasis' wife. He said, maybe they all got psoriasis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So here's the journey in our text. He had been in Ur when he heard the audible voice of God tell him to leave his family, his father's house, his kinfolk, and go to the land which he's going to give him because in him the nations of the world, the families of the world are going to be blessed. So what does he do in response to that word? He goes to Haran and stays there, and his family goes with him. So he's in Haran with his dad. And uh, when his dad died, then he obeyed the word of the Lord, crossed the Euphrates, and heads to Canaan land and doesn't leave his family behind. He takes his nephew, Lot, with him. And he should have left Lot there. But anyway, he brought him with him into Canaan land. And once arriving there, he hears another audible uh, encounter with God, confirming his decision and promising him this land for his descendants. And so he hits the drought, and they go to Egypt. And what happens in Egypt, I just mentioned that, happens. And now he goes back to where he had come from before he went to Egypt. Genesis 13, 1, then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and his wife. He didn't leave her behind. And all that he had, including the stuff Pharaoh had given him, and Lot with him and his entourage, to the south. Now, from Egypt, they weren't necessarily heading south as much as they were going to the southland of what would be Abram's inheritance from God. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he went on his journey from the south 
as far as Bethel. So having arrived in the southern, southern part of the promised land, now he heads northeast toward Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. When you get off track, it's good to repent and do the first works. Go back to where you got off track. Jesus told one of the churches in Asia in Revelation, the letter he dictated to John, you have lost your first love. Repent and do the first work. So this is what Abram is doing. Verse 5, Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock. Can you say cowboys? <laughs> and herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So it's not only Lot's household, Abram's household, but it's the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Somebody said the mosquito bites and the night lights. <laughs> so there's a shortage of pasture land. You remember the cattle wars, fighting with the sheep farmers here in, in the Wild West? Uh, sheep would bite grass down until it wouldn't come back no more. Make cattle farmers so mad they couldn't see straight. Anyway, so there was problems uh, between the two. Also, having gained man and maid servants from Egypt, Hagar no doubt was one of those. She was an Egyptian. Uh, maybe some of the Egyptian cowboys didn't get along with the others. Who knows? But there was not enough room for them. So, verse 8, Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. For we are brethren, we be brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. And they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. I grew up seeing this picture on the wall at Grandma's house. Uh, maybe you've seen it as a child. It's the story of Abram giving Lot the opportunity to choose, and Lot chooses the better of the choices for himself, is what it said. Uh, today, that land is rather... Uh, unlike the way the Bible describes it. Uh, Rabbi Nelson Gleek, I would say Gluck, G-L-U-E-C-K, made a discovery. He passed away years ago, but he made a discovery of 70 cities in this area. And the unique irrigation system they had 
for the place to be what it was. So something definitely was there. He also made some discoveries of what may be Sodom, the ashes, the pottery that has experienced incredible heat, like 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit to create pottery like it has. And so something definitely happened there. So Lot goes toward the lush land and leaves Abram with the stuff that's not so lush. God's fixing to shift gears with Abram, so no problem for Abram, but big problem for Lot. He eventually is living in a house. Chapter 18, he's in a house, and Abram's still in a tent. So at first it looked like, you know, he really got the good deal, but before the end of the story, he's lost everything including his personal dignity, but we won't go there. So let's look at what the Lord says to Abram. So after this happened, verse 14, and the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, so here's another audible visitation in the daytime because of the way it's said to him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, Westward, beyond even where Lot is, okay? For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also will be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent, and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, or Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. This can be called the title deed to the land of Israel. This is the land of Israel today, including what is often called the Palestinian territories. But if you read all the promises, the audible promises of God to Abram and eventually Abraham, it exceeds these boundaries. It goes from the Nile River all the way to the Euphrates. This is the full promise of the land of Israel. This is an Israeli coin. See the menorah? The strange shape behind it? Here's a better view. What is that strange shape? This is known as greater Israel. This is the promise. If you take everything that God promised Abram, this is promised. Even their journey in the wilderness was promised to him. So <clears throat> the world hates God and has always opposed this nation, always. Even in their heydays, under kings, there was enemies out to wipe them out. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, Lessons for Living in God's Economy. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us to learn today what you would have us to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. I took Economics 101 and learned about the law of supply and the law of demand. If your supply is high and your demand is high, that's a booming economy. 
If your supply is high and your demand is low, the prices are going to go down. If your demand is high and your supply is low, prices are going to go up. Gas shortage, demand remains high, prices of gasoline go up. In God's economy, he doesn't exactly operate like that. Sometimes he operates in the opposite world. In fact, Economics 301 teaches all the exceptions to Economics 101. So God's economy is a prosperous economy, but it's beyond what we think of as money. Don't think of that. In Abram's riches, it wasn't just gold and silver. It was land promised to him. It was livestock. It was employees. It was a lot of responsibility. In God's economy, through the provision of his son on the cross for the sins of the world, he met the demand. He met the need. The supply will never run dry, and the price is free. To whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So in some nations, the demand goes down, but the need doesn't. People just don't know. But if we remain faithful, we will be effective, and we will see fruit for our labor. And in countries that are poor, it seems like there's a higher demand for the gospel because people are not distracted by cheap substitutes. All right, back to our sermon. Lessons for living in God's economy. Seven win-wees. Seven win-wees. What is a win-wee? Well, it's an expression used by white Rhodesians. When they have reunions, they call themselves win-wees. They talk about the good old days of living in Africa in the 40s, 50s, through the 70s. You remember when we did this? You remember when we did that? Well, it's not that kind of when we today. It's when we encounter different things, what do we do? When we are tested, we must remember God's promises. When Abram was tested with the threat of death, which was very real, he didn't remember God's promise. You know, if you give your wife away, dude, you're not going to be a blessing to the families of the earth. Genesis 12:10. here's the beginning of that test. Now, there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. This is a real test. And then on the way there, he gets hit with this fear. And he makes this, this decision. So we want to be blessed. We want to remember God's promises. When, when we get off track in our walk with God, which is what Abram did, we must repent. He went back to the campsite between Bethel and Ai. He went back to the altar to call on the name of the Lord. He went back. Sometimes in our walk with God, we get off track. We just do. Do we throw in the towel and give up? Well, I blew it. I thought I was going to be a Christian. I guess I can't cut the cheese anymore, cut the mustard. No. We go back and repent. Got your attention. When in strife, when in strife in dealing with people, we must be generous because strife is something God hates. In fact, some people he hates. He hates the man who sows discord. Well, my God doesn't hate anybody. Well, you need to read your Bible 
and make sure your God is the God of the Bible. He hates the man who sows discord. He hates disunity. He loves unity. There's a place of commanded blessing where brethren in unity dwell. How good and pleasant it is, Psalm says, for brethren to dwell together in unity. Not unity devoid of God's purpose. The world wants that. Unified around God's purposes is what he wants. And sometimes in relationships, we may have to make room for Jesus to stop bickering and fighting and all this stuff. And so Abram realized this strife was not good, And so he was the generous one. Being the older one, he should have said, okay, Lot, you stay here. I'm going to separate from us and then just go to wherever he wanted to go. But he gave Lot first choice, and Lot's self-centeredness revealed, you know, what he wanted. He chose that for himself. He didn't think of the impact of living in that place, what it would have on his family. And I think later he came to regret it. In fact, in fact, Peter wrote that there came a time he was a righteous man that daily that place grieved his soul. But eventually his family led him astray. So we've got to think about more than just us. We've got to have a, a generational view on things, which is what Abram had. He thought about more than himself. He thought of his his nephew, whose dad was dead, so he was kind of like his son to him, you know, his well-being. And, and uh, so God confirms them separating by speaking to Abram audibly again and saying, hey, let's go for a walk. Everything you see, north, south, east, and west, is yours. I'm giving it to you. When receiving a generous offer, we must not be greedy. Well, they can afford it, yes, but can you practice good stewardship over that? Years ago, someone gave us a Boston Boston Terrier, and it was obvious to the man that gave it to us that we weren't the stewards of that dog that he wanted us to be. He'd come by every week and really watch us. So when we moved, he asked for the dog back, and we gave it back, please, please. We accepted his generous offer a little too quickly because we weren't sure who we were dealing with and what we were dealing with. The dog's name was Pugsley. If you saw him, you'd know why anyway. Proverbs 119 says, So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. This choice prospered Lot, but eventually he lost everything, burned to a crisp. Proverbs eleven twenty four. there is one who scatters yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also himself be watered. So in God's economy, it's not the hoarding that brings the blessing. It's not the putting ourselves first that brings blessing. It's being responsible with what we have and what we're given, but it's, it's having a perspective on life that what I have isn't, is, doesn't own me. In fact, I'm richer than what my bank balance says. You know. 
my dad owns the cattle on a thousand hills and hill number 1001 as well. So he gets to take care of that. I don't have to take care of it. What a blessing. Proverbs 15, 27 says, He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. Be careful who you do business with. Get quick, get rich, quick schemes, or it may actually be get broke, quick schemes. Be careful. Proverbs 28, 22, A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. If you go to Israel, you'll see amazing vegetation and land in that place by people who are industrious, who are able to harness the potential with the blessing of God of that land. Lot took a shortcut. He didn't want to do all that work. He went to where the wicked folks were because they were prospering. It was going to be a life of ease. When taken advantage of, we must recall God's principles, which are based on his promises. Abram could have woke up the next morning and said, what did I do? Lot, how could you be so selfish? And then get into a new level of strife with him. No, it was a new day. And God blessed Abram with a bigger vision than what had happened. And so... Um, Was he taken advantage of? One perspective would say he was. But sometimes when we do business, we may feel we are taken advantage of. And we are tempted to get into strife with someone. It's not worth it. Division is not worth it. In the subject of lawsuits between brothers, Paul wrote the church in Corinth of Greece in his first letter, chapter 6, verse 7, now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? Well, ain't nobody going to cheat me. Ain't nobody going to do me wrong. What if Jesus had said that? We are called to be crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Now, if the person cheating folks is, is going to do it to other brothers and sisters, we need to do something to stop that. But taking venge, revenge on one another, lawyers have their place. But as brothers, we're to sort some things out. You can't insist that everything's equal all the time. Fairness is not always a reality. If you read the parables of Jesus, so many of those stories have things in them that are not fair. The elder brother feels like it wasn't fair. What about the 99 faithful sheep who the shepherd left in the fold to go deal with that one rebel? That's not fair, right? What about the rich man that went to hell? That's not fair. All he did was build bigger barns. What about the seed that happened to fall on hard ground and got eaten by the birds. That's not fair for the seed, is it? A seed couldn't reach its full potential. Well, actually, some seeds can. We'll, do, we'll leave that for biology. When those we love go astray, we must always be faithful.
faithful. Abram became strong in faith. Even though as an early believer, you know, he was a moon worshiper in his earlier days. We won't get into that again today. <clears throat> he remained faithful in spite of what his kinfolk did. Lot, not so much. Because he didn't guard his kids, his kids led him astray. So if your child comes home from school one day and tells you that I want to be a girl, or the girl says, I want to be a boy, obviously you speak truth and love, and you don't throw them out on the street, but you don't change your beliefs according to the Word of God because you got a child that thinks otherwise. Who's God in this situation? She, he, me, or him? So... In God's economy, sometimes you have to make hard choices and your family's not happy about it. Some people have thrown their faith away because they don't want to be out of, out of the good graces of Junior. All right. And finally, when tempted be, to be discouraged, we must look to Jesus. See, we have more than just promises. We have more than just memories of an audible voice. We have more than just scriptures. We have a person who came, who engraved history permanently, who died for the sins of the world on the cross to provide freely to supply the need for man's redemption. Whether he appreciates it or not, that blood was shed for men and women who need a Savior. And so, in our challenges of serving the will of God, we have Jesus as an example. Hebrews 12 comes after Hebrews 11, duh. Hebrews 11 talks about the heroes of faith, mentions Abram more than once, and Sarai. And on the, uh, at the end of that great document on the lives of faith's heroes, it says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's those who've gone on before us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the cross was not something to be enjoyed. It was something to be endured. And he endured it for the sake of the joy that was before him. And in our pursuing God's will being done in our life, and our facing opposition and disappointments and discouraging circumstances, we endure for the sake of the joy of victory that is already done. It's not that victory is coming to us, but we're heading towards victory. I believe that the day we pray from our heart in faith, the will of God, God hears and answers that prayer somewhere along the timeline of our life because his timing is different than ours. So his answer isn't on the way. We are on the way to the answer. We run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do we do this? 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the pioneer and establisher of our faith. And he goes on, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, and you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. So, when we experience disappointment, discouragement, being taken advantage of, injustice, we're like Jesus. And in this story today, Abraham is like Jesus. Like the father in the story of the prodigal son, let the son make the unwise choice, but be there for him when he comes to his senses. Amen? Throw a party with dancing and music. Yep, there's instruments in the New Testament. Read that parable. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your blessings upon our life. I thank you, Lord, for the economy that you've set in place, the economy of heaven where it's one of mercy given freely, abundantly to those who are not worthy. So, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are in a season of having to extend mercy to those that are not worthy. I pray, Lord, that they would see they are like you, Lord, and that like Abraham who blesses the families of the earth, Lord, we bless the people of the earth in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray if we are making unwise decisions like Lot, I pray, Lord, we would come to our senses, that we would repent and do the first works, that we would come back to you with all our heart, that we would make our hearts an open space for you to come and fill by the power of your grace. In Jesus' name.
five years old and I sang a little song come into my heart and I know it's, it's debatable out there in the church will whether or not Jesus comes into your heart the point is that's when I got saved the Lord will come in whatever way we give him amen Jesus I call on your name I believe you're the son of God I believe you died for my sins I believe that you arose from the dead. Forgive me of my sin. Make me your child. I receive you and your finished work. It's kind of like that. Just talking to him, calling out for him to take your mess and make it his message. To take your test and turn it into a testimony. Thank you for worshiping with us today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom peace, which is wholeness. It's more than peace. The cheap peace is based upon compromise, but it's peace that's established forever based upon conquest accomplished by our Lord who conquered death for us. God bless you. May you pursue the Lord with all your heart like never before and walk according to his principles. Repent when you need to and extend mercy every opportunity you can. Why? Because you are richer than Rockefeller. God bless you. Go get them, Tigers.
space for you.